This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. Hello, you sexy sat stackers, and welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. Today is Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. Happy New Year to you all. Hopefully you ended 2022 with more sats than you began. But uh, today will be our first, not only our first episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast of 2023, but our first stack of 2023. As usual, our New Year's resolution, well, I kind of hate the whole concept of New Year's resolutions because for the most part, for most people, the New Year's resolutions are kind of a joke. I mean, it's it's stereotypical, right? Everybody loses, they, they, you know, they make the resolution to lose weight, maybe to get a new job or whatever. And then for the most part, uh, all your new, res, new Year's resolutions are out the door before you even return to the office from the holidays. But we have a New Year's resolution that I think is easy to keep because, well, we're going to keep it automatically just by stacking today. And that is to end 2023 with more Satoshis than we started. So the only thing we need to do besides make a purchase today and keep on purchasing every Wednesday is just to not sell, to have those diamond hands that the uh, the Wall Street bets people have brought to our terminology. The strong hands, as Adam Meister has always said for the last, I don't know, how long has he been a, in a Bitcoin OG? 10 years at least. Uh, so strong hands, we'll say, and not sell any Bitcoin, and we will achieve that goal. So that's a goal that everybody can achieve. Uh, and especially since we're trying to make it super easy by just stacking 20 bucks a week for the purposes of this podcast. Uh, if you're one of those people that sets a New Year's resolution every year and then every year fails to achieve your resolution, uh, you can join us in our resolution of ending 2023 with more sats that we started. And hopefully you'll be able to achieve that New Year's resolution. Otherwise, uh, I think New Year's resolutions are kind of silly. All right, before we get into everything today, let's take a quick look at the vital statistics. As of the time of this recording, we are sitting at a block height of 770,391. Bitcoin is valued at a U.S. dollar price of $16,828 per Bitcoin, or 5,942 sats per dollar. And that is about $330 more than Bitcoin was valued at last week, but still right in that $16,000 to $17,000 channel that Bitcoin's been in at least since November. And if you smooth out a couple of those bumps up to around 21,000, it's pretty much been in that range since about June. So for people that lament Bitcoin's volatility, this is about as unvolatile as we've seen Bitcoin in its entire history, at least uh, as long as I can remember. And speaking of Bitcoin price, that, that bump in Bitcoin price is translated into a small increase in Bitcoin's market capitalization. Bitcoin's current market cap is $324.0 billion, billion with a B. That is $6.5 billion more than last Wednesday, but, uh, you know, about in line with the $325-ish billion that, again, Bitcoin's pretty much been stuck in since November. Along those lines, if you value your wealth in shiny yellow metal rocks, it will currently cost you 9.1 ounces of gold to purchase just one Bitcoin. And that is also about where we've been pretty much all along since November. I think I'm looking at my records here, and the cheapest we've ever seen gold on sale for during that time is 
nine ounces of gold per one Bitcoin. The cheapest in Bitcoin on sale for gold. Uh, it's cost as much as 9.6 ounces of gold back on December 14th, but in general, right around nine ounces of gold to purchase one Bitcoin. Uh, and that's despite the fact that uh, gold has been surging in U.S. dollar value also recently. Uh, it had been down significantly, at least on the six-month chart, until I noticed it popped uh, back up to the $1,800 an ounce range uh, not too terribly long ago, maybe a week or so ago. And for those of you who value your wealth in oil, it will currently cost you 214.42 barrels of oil to purchase just one Bitcoin. Oil is on sale at a rate of 466,328 sats per barrel, down just a tiny bit from the 503,812 sats per barrel last week. But again, right in that 450 to 500,000 sats per barrel range that it's been in since, well, at least November. Starting to see a trend here, a theme developing. And for those who value your wealth in pizza, for those of you looking for a little food security, one Bitcoin will currently purchase you 996 Papa John's pizzas. It's 996 large pepperoni pizzas. That is one large pepperoni pizza a day for about 2.7 years. That is an awful lot of pizza for just one Bitcoin. Certainly a lot better deal than Laszlo got on the first Bitcoin pizza day all those years ago. And speaking of anniversaries, if I didn't mention it, yesterday, January 3rd, was the 14th anniversary of the Bitcoin Genesis block. If Bitcoin was a teenager, it would be getting ready to get its, uh, it'd be get, we'd be going into its 15th year, getting ready to get its learner's permit, to be solidly in high school, and Bitcoin would be thinking about dating and music. Uh, and, you know, maybe we're seeing Bitcoin behave a little bit like a teenager, but it's certainly on its way to maturing, so maybe that's not too bad of an, of an analogy. And speaking of Bitcoin usage, the Bitcoin mempool is reasonably clear. It's exactly the same as it was the previous two Wednesdays with three blocks for the transactions currently pending in my mempool and my umbral node. And we just had a block less than a minute ago while I've been talking. So, um, But still about three blocks for the transactions pending. It's been pretty consistent uh, for more than a month. It, about a month ago, we, we saw a, a mostly clear mempool, but then right before that, it was four blocks to clear. So... Uh, Transactions seem to be fairly steady, at least on-chain transactions. I've seen plenty of information out there that the amount of, on, uh, the amount of uh, activity taking place on the Lightning Network continues to increase, and that's really cool because, you know, um, this time four years ago, what, Lightning Network was, uh, it was beta. They were saying, you know, don't risk your money on it. Uh, it was just kind of really coming to be, and, and it's in just this cycle, just this four years, um, Lightning Network has... It's just, it's just gone. It's grown by leaps and bounds. It's just incredible to see what's happened, what, what the potential that Lightning is unlocking as a layer two solution. Because, you know, one of the things that people talk about all the time is that, uh, you know, there won't be enough UTXOs for everyone in the world to own a UTXO, and there won't be enough on-chain transaction throughput to be able to handle every transaction in the world on the, on the base layer. And people compare Bitcoin to Visa or even PayPal. And uh, say that, you know, the on-chain Bitcoin isn't anywhere near capable of handling that kind of volume. And so these layer two solutions like Lightning or like we, we, don't, we don't even know four years from now what, what might exist that might be better than Lightning or might have improved on Lightning or maybe a layer four or a layer five. Uh, who knows where we're going to be. But, but Lightning is, has just revolutionized Bitcoin because, you know, if you're not familiar with the Lightning Network, uh, Lightning transactions are essentially free. You know, it costs you as little as one Satoshi to send a Lightning transaction. 
uh, and it's instant. It's instant, and it's basically unlimited because uh, you know there's an unlimited number of lightning nodes basically, and uh, and each each lightning node connects to other lightning nodes and forms like a web, a mesh network of nodes, kind of like Bitcoin nodes, but uh, you know on, on a layer two, uh, but without the without the security uh, without the uh, security considerations that they, they have to take into account for on-chain to provide the base layer security for Bitcoin as a network. Uh, anyway, long story short, lightning transactions are surging. And uh, when we see the value of Bitcoin increase and maybe fees increase, because even if fees stay the same for on-chain, the number of Satoshis it takes to, to guarantee an on-chain transaction, when those Satoshis become more valuable, uh, maybe one day only central banks or banks or financial institutions or whales will be using on-chain on transactions. And the rest of us We'll have one or two channels or maybe a moon wallet, and we'll be transacting on the Lightning Network. And speaking of transactions and the mempool, uh, we've said there's three blocks where the transaction's currently pending. However, even though that's about the same, the fee estimators are saying that it's only going to cost about 13 sats per byte to guarantee that your on-chain transaction is included in the next block. That is less than half of last week when they were estimating 27 sats per byte, even though there was about the same amount of activity on-chain. Uh, and of course, one SAT per byte transactions will still clear within a day. Every night when I look at my node, when I look at mempool.space, and when I look at other dashboards like Clark Moody's dashboard, et cetera, uh, you can see that the mempool clears out when United States and Europe are, are asleep. It seems like most of the on-chain activity, well, a lot of it happens in the morning, and I think that's exchanges moving Bitcoin around uh, or people consolidating, et cetera. So now that it's heading into the evening hours in the United States, uh, that mempool is going to clear out. So... If you know how to use replace by fee, that's even better because you can do an on-chain transaction and if it gets stuck in the mempool, you can use that to increase the increase the amount, increase the fee amount, increase the number of satoshis per byte that you're willing to spend to guarantee that transaction gets written to a block. Uh, but if you're not, uh, well, you know, do your own research, you do you. And if you want to guarantee that you just get that transaction. I mean, if you're sending a billion dollar transaction, what's 13 satoshis, right? So uh, you do you again. That's a that's a that's a, a that's an equation you're going to have to sort out based on uh, based on your values, based on how valuable that transaction is for you. Normally, when I do an on-chain transaction, I don't care how long it takes to confirm. Uh, usually, I'm moving something to like a hardware wallet or whatever. So if it takes a couple of hours to confirm, that doesn't really matter to me. If you're if you're making a purchase and you've got somebody sitting at a cash register tapping their foot waiting for it to go through, uh, then maybe 10 minutes might be all you want to wait. Uh, but hopefully you'll be using the Lightning Network in the future for that. And, of course, then it's instant and almost free. So one day this will all be moot. And speaking of on-chain activity, that metric you know I like to follow, Bitcoin's 24-hour average transaction rate is moving right along at 3.30 transactions per second. That is up just a tiny bit from the 3.20 transactions per second last week and solidly in the healthy amount of on-chain activity range that I like to see above the 3.14, 3.15 range. So not super crazy, not super full blocks, you know, not pushing the absolute limits of Bitcoin's on-chain transaction throughput, but still really healthy on-chain activity, especially when you consider the sheer volume of transactions that are now taking place on the Lightning Network. And once again, speaking of Bitcoin on-chain, just what, yesterday or the day before, about 24 hours ago, we had a mining difficulty adjustment. Bitcoin mining difficulty got a little bit easier by minus 3.6%. If you're not familiar, Bitcoin, uh, the Bitcoin protocol adjusts the difficulty that it takes to find a new block 
to try and keep the Bitcoin blocks averaging at one new block for every 10 minutes. The more mining hash power that's dedicated to the network, the more it has to increase difficulty to slow those blocks down to keep them coming in at 10 minutes. And of course, like when we saw the winter storm in Texas and about 30% of the network's hash power shut down uh, because they were either going offline or, or the ones in Texas that were throttling their operations back so they could balance the grid, save that electricity for you know regular customers, which is one of the agreements a lot of those large miners in Texas have with ERCOT, their grid operator. When that happened, uh, we saw mining difficulty uh, decrease, and now that those miners are back on, uh, we're probably going to be looking at an increase coming up in the not-too-distant future. And along those lines, let's see, we are about 11 days away now from the next Bitcoin mining difficulty adjustment. It's looking like that's going to be on a, about January 17th. And depending where you get your data, that is going to be an increase of anywhere from 1% to 9.7%. That's a huge range. And as we say every week when we're a long ways away from the difficulty adjustment, those numbers are not reliable because anything can happen. We could have another winter storm and miners could shut off. Uh, we could have a major miner go banco or people just shut their miners off or more hash rate pouring onto the network. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, so it's really too soon to tell, but it's looking like we are going to have a difficulty increase. And that, as I spoke about last week and even just alluded to a minute ago, some of that is because we part of that decrease we had was from those Texas miners voluntarily shutting their mining rigs off to save power for the, uh, for the grid. Nonetheless, blocks are currently averaging 10 minutes and 13 seconds, which is slower than 10 minutes. So that would tell you that... Um, that uh, we're going to be probably looking at a decrease if those if those numbers hold, even though the estimators are saying a moderate to a moderate to severe, as they say on the commercials on TV. You may notice a moderate to severe difficulty increase, uh, but it's really not even worth paying attention to unless you're a miner and you're trying to do some budgeting and forecasting. If you're a pleb, an average user, or even a home miner, uh, just know that things are functioning exactly as Satoshi planned. 14 years ago yesterday when he mined that first block, the Genesis block. All right. Uh, some other things in the news. Again, the biggest news of the year is it's 2023. 2022 is finally behind us. We did fulfill our resolution last year, which was to end the year with more sats than we started. Hopefully you did as well. We are currently about 69,000. Nice. 609 blocks away from Bitcoin's next halving. As you know, uh, the Bitcoin mining reward is cut in half approximately every four years. It's really 840,000 blocks. That works out to about every four years. And that has corresponded to those nice four-year cycles that we've seen in Bitcoin price. About six months to a year after every Bitcoin halving in the past, we've seen the newest bull run where Bitcoin soars to the previous all-time high and surpasses it, smashes through it really, sets a new all-time high. So we had the 2024, I'm sorry, the 2020 halving. And Bitcoin really didn't start exploding. So the 2020 halving was in the, was in like, what, May-ish? It was in the spring of 2020. Uh, I just remember it was during the, the, the virus madness because there were, you know, the anticipation for the halving, if you haven't seen one yet, is it's always something else. The halving date is basically it's like a worldwide Bitcoin block party. Even before we had these big Bitcoin conferences, they had halving parties. I remember Adam Meister was all excited because he was going to go to this huge having party in Tel Aviv, Israel. And of course, he didn't get to go because the whole world was on lockdown. Um, but if things are normal in 2024, you watch. The anticipation is going to start to build. We're just a little over a year away from the next having. It's going to be anywhere between March and June of 2024. Of course, that date changes based on how fast 
uh, blocks are coming in, just like the difficulty adjustment. If if miners keep adding more ASICs and the difficulty has to keep increasing because blocks keep zooming in under 10 minutes, it will be sooner. It'll be more like March. If things slow down or stagnate, it'll be later, more like June. But either way, by this time next year, by New Year's Day 2024, there will be people planning huge celebrations. You might even have an airline ticket booked to go somewhere exotic uh, to attend a having party. Uh, and that's really cool. Hopefully we'll get back to that. But the last having, I digress, was it, it was in the year, early, late spring, early summer of 2022. And then we blew past the previous all-time high, like December 20th uh, of 2020. So, uh, or 2021. I don't, I'm losing track. Basically, anywhere between six months to 18 months after the halving is when we've seen the newest all-time high. And Bitcoin, as Adam Meister says, always sets, always returns to, always sets a new all-time high, and it set, it tends to do that around the Bitcoin halving. Again, not financial advice, but uh, the way I'm looking at this this discount Bitcoin, the sixteen thousand dollar Bitcoin, is this is your accumulation time. This is your time to stack as much Bitcoin as you can because. A year from now, we're going to be looking at blowing past that previous all-time high of 69000 and setting God only knows what the new all-time high is going to be. Uh, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but let's see. We hit about 20000 in in the 2017 bull run, and then we hit about 69000 so a little over 3x the last having. So if Bit, let's round up to 70000 If Bitcoin 3xs again, we're talking 210000 So who knows? 100000 250000 hyper-Bitcoinization. Anything's possible. All that is guaranteed is that uh, you need to stack as many sats as you can before that happens because you might be one of those people that thinks, well, the price of Bitcoin could go down. Do I really want to buy it? 16800 What if it drops to twelve? What if it drops to ten? Uh, well, if it does, buy more, right? Um, but in the meantime, when Bitcoin is sitting at 150000 250000 and you didn't stack sats because it was 16000 and you thought maybe it would go to fourteen you're going to be feeling like an idiot. And everybody does. It's human nature. That's the, that's the uh, nature of FUD and the nature of FOMO. Um, I have perpetual FOMO. So uh, the one way to avoid all of that, FUD or FOMO, is just to have a disciplined DCA approach to just constantly stack in sats and then maybe give it into that FOMO a little bit, especially when it's by the dip FOMO. When you fear the FOMO you should have is fear of missing out on the $16,000 Bitcoin because it isn't going to be here forever. Maybe it does dip lower, who knows. But it will be higher one day, and that's the one thing that I'm absolutely certain of. So any Bitcoin you purchase below the previous all-time high of 69000 is going to be a bargain one day, especially if you're talking a, you know, a multi-cycle horizon, eight years, 10 years, a generation away. I mean, only imagine what Bitcoin's going to be like in 2050. Do you think it's going to be in the $16,000 range? I'll bet you don't. All right, speaking of Bitcoins and OGs, et cetera, there's been a lot of hubbub on Bitcoin Twitter and social media about the Luke Dash Jr. fiasco. If you don't know who Luke Dash Jr. is, he's a Bitcoin contributor, an OG Bitcoin contributor. Uh, some people consider him a little odd. Uh, well, who isn't a little odd in Bitcoin, right? Especially coders. Uh, we're all a little odd. But one thing that... Uh, well, we don't even know this for sure, but apparently Luke posted online that his computer had been hacked and that he had had about 200 Bitcoin stolen. And the opinion on that is how can he be such an idiot? You know, he's a core developer. How could he not be using a hardware wallet? It turns out he was using some sort of home-baked cold storage. 
the sort of thing you see on Reddit all the time where people say, I'm not going to get a cold card or I'm not going to get a Trezor or I'm not going to get a Ledger because I don't trust any of them. I'm going to build my own, my own homebrew cold storage, my own homebrew offline you know, air gap device. And that sounds like the sort of thing that allegedly he says he did. And well, he got hacked and he's an OG. So the FUD out there is nobody should hold their Bitcoin because if an OG like Luke Dash Jr. could get hacked, anyone can get hacked. And I think most people in the Bitcoin space have pointed out that's a load of crap. That's total BS. Because uh, even if he did lose that Bitcoin, he was not using a, a ledger. He was not using a Trezor. He was not using a cold card. He was using an old Dell laptop that he allegedly got at a freaking garage sale and a half-cocked scheme. And people could say, how could he be so stupid? Well, I don't think he was stupid. Here's my, here's my take on that. Here's, my, here's my, my point of view. So all of these hardware wallets were invented by OGs, right? Was Trezor was invented by Slush, right? The founder of the Slush pool, the first, the first, first Bitcoin mining pool. NVK is responsible for the cold card. Uh, Ledger, you know, is it's, it's, its, own, its own wing. You know, there's the people that hate Ledger because it's, it uses a closed source secure element and the people that hate Trezor because it doesn't use a secure element. The, the point I'm getting here is um, Luke Dash Jr. was an OG core developer. So core developers always have beefs with other people's code, and maybe there's a little bit of hubris in there too. You know, we've seen this. Well, look at the so-called Bitcoin Jesus. He rage quit Bitcoin and started Bcash because he didn't get a code change that he wanted. So my point being these OGs, it's not necessarily too stupid. It's just that he's got... He, he's an OG, and in his mind, he knows what's right and what's best for Bitcoin. And I'm just projecting on him. I have no idea what he was thinking. But this is my opinion, was that he probably didn't use a hardware wallet because he's, well, I'm not going to use NVK's hardware wallet, or I'm not going to use Slush's hardware wallet, or so-and-so's hardware wallet. I know what's best for Bitcoin, and I'm going to create my own system. So he created his own hardware wallet, basically. Uh, you know, not one for commercial use, but one for his use, and, and it, it failed. But I think that's why. Or, and this is something a lot of people have pointed out, and I've even mentioned this on Twitter, was that uh, this could all be a load of hooey. He might not have uh, lost those Bitcoin at all. I mean, we know with the new budget or the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, that the United States government, for example, is, is hiring 86,000 new IRS agents. And one of the things you know they're going to come after are uh, the Bitcoin OGs who might have had thousands or even hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin that they spent on cars or vacations or yachts that they might or might not have paid taxes on. So it's a distinct possibility that this was not a hack, that this was a boating accident, so to speak, that uh, it's like, oh, I don't know what happened to those 200 Bitcoin. Or maybe he didn't spend them and he isn't worried about the IRS, but maybe he wants to spend them. Or maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's just like, F you. Uh, you don't need to know where my Bitcoin is, so I lost them, and now they're going to get mixed and tumbled and be more private. Who knows? But the Luke Dash Jr. FUD is just that. It is FUD. Uh, if your Bitcoin is on a hardware wallet, well, any of the commercial hardware wallets have all been safe up to this point. They're not subject to the kind of attack that Luke Dash Jr. was subject to. So the people saying you should keep your Bitcoin on the exchanges, a la Solana, Etc. where we had these scammers saying, you should keep your Bitcoin on exchange because most of the Bitcoin that's been lost has been lost by people trying to store their own Bitcoin and they get hacked or they lose their private keys or you're going to lose your Bitcoin, we're not going to lose it. Of course, how'd that work out for you, right? If your Bitcoin was on FTX or before that I'm out Gox or in you know, Terra Luna or on whatever, in Solana. So, as with everything in Bitcoin, do your old research. You do you. But just know that this Luke Dash Jr. thing is just FUD. And the FUD comes out of the woodwork during a bear market because 
the anti-Bitcoiners, the, the gold bugs, the authoritarians, the people that are just jealous, they see Bitcoin down and it is the temptation is to kick Bitcoin when it's down. They'll shut up when Bitcoin hits its new, you know, its new all-time high. We only hear we only hear people gloating about, you know, the the death of Bitcoin and Bitcoin's down and the FUD is just part of that. Speaking of FUD, the GBTC FUD, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust FUD is out there too. If you don't know, the Winklevi, the Winklevoss twins, the Gemini Exchange owners are in a pissing match with uh, with uh, with Barry Silbert, um, who is the owner of uh, Genesis and Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. Basically, uh, Genesis bought or borrowed $900 million from Gemini, and either they are paying it back according to their terms, if you listen to Barry, or they're not paying it back if you listen to the Winklevi. But long and the short of it is uh, there's a $900 million hole in Gemini Earn. Gemini Earn has been frozen as a result, and the Winklevoss are hounding uh, Barry Silbert to return or pay back that $900 million. Uh, and who knows how that's going to affect uh, Genesis or Gemini. Uh, but all that really matters is that uh, you get your keys off the exchanges, right? If, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if your Bitcoin isn't tied up in Gemini Earn, if your Bitcoin is not on an exchange, none of this matters. The only thing that might matter is that Grayscale Bitcoin Trust FUD, and that is the FUD that this whole thing is going to drag GBTC down, and they're going to have to liquidate this, the the Bitcoin that GBDC has, and that'll crash the, the price of Bitcoin. And that's probably incorrect for two reasons. Again, I don't have a crystal ball. Who knows? I do not have, you know, not only can I not see the future, but I don't have, I'm, I don't have intricate details into the inner workings of GBTC, etc. So I can't say this with 100% certainty, but what I can tell you is that the amount of Bitcoin that Grayscale Bitcoin Investment Trust has is about a day or so worth of the, of the amount of Bitcoin that trades hands on any given day. So it would be absorbed relatively quickly. Would it depress the price? Maybe. But again, you know, there was more than a billion dollars of Bitcoin that didn't exist trading on FTX. So that affected the price of Bitcoin too. So if people start trading actual Bitcoin, uh, there was room for a billion dollars of the Bitcoin absorption. Uh, anyway, long and the short of it is two things. I don't think they're going to liquidate GBTC because what would happen if, if uh, Digital Currency Group goes bankrupt is... Uh, they would lose control of GBTC. They would be a new a new trust, a new trustee. Uh, they, basically, it, GBTC isn't isn't insolvent. It's profitable. It's making a nice profit. So, if if uh, if Barry Silbert goes bankrupt, and this is what he's trying to prevent, probably by not paying back uh, Gemini Earn, is preventing his personal bankruptcy, his 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 holding company's bankruptcy, because he doesn't want to lose his golden goose, GBTC, uh, and. He wouldn't liquidate GBTC. In fact, I don't think he can liquidate GBTC. That would have to be voted on by a majority of the trust shareholders. So worst case scenario, he would sell the trust. The trust would transfer to a new trustee, and, um, and the shares would remain locked. The Bitcoin would remain locked up with GBT shares. So again, that's just FUD. And more importantly, above and beyond all of that, none of this matters. Keep this in perspective of we're in the Bitcoin winter right now. This is the bear market. This happens every four years. You know, maybe we go sideways for another six months. Maybe we go sideways for another year. Maybe we slowly, maybe we've already hit the bottom and we start slowly crawling back up towards that $69,000. And sometime after the halving, we go blowing past it again. All that matters is you want to stack those sats so that you have a bigger stack of sats when Bitcoin does return to its all-time high. All right. 
So how are we going to guarantee we have a bigger stack of sats than we did last year? We're going to do that by dollar cost averaging. If you don't know what dollar cost averaging is, DCA, of course, is short for dollar cost averaging. And that is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, this is going to be our 76th stack. We started stacking every Wednesday back on July 28th of 2021. So that's our regular interval, weekly, weekly on Wednesdays. Again, you do you. Pick your interval that you feel comfortable with. Most people that DCA into any investment, whether it's Bitcoin, stocks, gold, silver, real estate, whatever, often tend to do their investments on paydays. That makes sense, right? You take a portion of your income and you put it towards an investment. And most people get paid every other week, at least in the United States. Paydays is like every other Friday for the majority of the people I know anyway. So if you want to make payday your DCA day and it's every other week, that's fine too. Some people DCA daily. Some people DCA hourly. I think we've shown that weekly smooths those bumps out. If you look at our purchase prices, as I was talking about at the beginning of the show, we've stayed in that $16,000 range for basically a month as far as we're concerned. Yeah, it went up to like 18 or 19 or 20 a couple of times, but because we're DCAing, uh, we didn't buy the low or the high. We've kind of bought in, the, in between and we've bought the average. Uh, so weekly seems to work for us. The second part of DCA is an equal portion. And for us, we chose $20. That might not seem like a lot of money for you. And if it isn't good for you, again, you do you. Pick an amount that you're comfortable investing, an amount you're comfortable either not touching for four years, 10 years, decades. More importantly, an amount that you're comfortable forgetting you even have, that if you lost it, it wouldn't be the end of the world because, you know, Bitcoin is a risk asset. Uh, it is a risky investment if you look at it as an investment. I don't look at it as risky. Well, I do, but my risk, I look at it as asymmetrically risky because I believe that Bitcoin is an all or nothing proposition. It's either going to fail, something's going to happen that's just going to go away, which I think is very, very, very unlikely, but not completely impossible. Or it's going to go to the moon. I don't see an in-between where Bitcoin just gets moderately successful. Either it fulfills its destiny, it lives up to what it's intended to do, or it doesn't. And if it does, it's just going to keep increasing in value. And if it doesn't, well, um, you know, oops. But uh, if you believe in Bitcoin like I believe in Bitcoin, if you think that there's a more likely chance that Bitcoin will be here in 10 years than not be here in 10 years, then you probably are comfortable uh, believing that it's going to, you know, be worth more. But again, you do, you do your own research. We chose $20. And the other reason we chose $20 is because it's an amount that just about anybody should be able to come up with. You know, there are people that can't even scrape up $20, but most people in the world, especially if you're, if your investment time frame is bi-weekly on paydays, should be able to come up with 20 bucks every two weeks. So I wanted to keep it simple. I also wanted to show that for those of us who can only come up with $20 a week, that even that adds up fast. Uh, for example, we've stacked 75 times, and just at $20 a whack, we've put away $1,500 US dollars uh, over a little over a year and a half. So uh, I think we've already shown that even $20 a whack is worth your time. Uh, during that year and a half, we've built a stack of 4.9 million sats, over 4.9 million sats, almost 5 million sats. Uh, and for the people that are always asking, hey, I only have $100, I only have $500, is that enough? Is it worth it? Am I too late? We've shown that at least during this show, no, it isn't too late. Yes, it is worth it. Yes, it is enough if it's all you have. But again, that's a decision for you to make. So again, DCA is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals regardless of price. Our regular rental is every Wednesday, and that equal portion is 20 bucks.
And as I mentioned, that has earned us a stack of 4,984,862 Satoshis. And we've stacked that at an average cost of $30,091.10. And that is because, you know, we bought, well, we started this when Bitcoin had already set its first all-time high because it hit that first all-time high of 64000 in April of 2021. We didn't start DCAing until July of 2021. It was down a bit, but then it blasted up to 69000 So we bought all the way up, and now we're buying all the way down. And one of the great things about dollar cost averaging is just in the last month, we've knocked our average cost basis down by, uh, was about by almost $1,300, by like $1,295. November, we saw it by almost, decreased by almost 2000 Same thing in September, almost 2000 1900 something. And hopefully, uh, we're going to knock it down another two or $300 today and dip under 29000 the under 30000 into the 29000 something range. And the longer Bitcoin stays down, the lower that average cost basis is going to go. So, so that's cool. And for those of you who are saying, well, 29000 30000 is, is double what Bitcoin's worth right now. Boy, was that a mistake. Well, if you want to compare dollar cost averaging to YOLOing in, had you YOLOed in on January, I'm sorry, of July of 2021 and just bought $1,500 of the Bitcoin, uh, you'd only have 3,643,000 sats. So... Um, you'd have almost one and a half million sats less if you hadn't DCA'd. So again, it's too early to tell. Dollar cost averaging, just like uh, buying into Bitcoin, just like stacking sats is a long-term strategy. It's too soon. It doesn't look like it's too soon. I mean, if you look at the numbers that I'm presenting, it looks like you know we've, done, we've outperformed lump sum investing. Uh, but that could be a fluke. We're going we're gonna to stay... Um, we're going to stay humble, so to speak. We're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to stay unbiased, and we're going to reserve true judgment until we've been doing this for at least a full cycle, maybe longer. All right. So to grow our stack, uh, this entire podcast we've been using the Cash App. Cash App is not a sponsor of the show. I like Cash App because if it's if it is available where you are, it's one of the easiest ways to stack sets. They will let you automate your DCA stack, so you can it will just buy. For you, whatever your whatever your interval is, if you want to say buy Bitcoin every Wednesday, it'll do so for you. I'm a glutton for punishment, and I'm doing a podcast, so I like to do it live and in person, so you can follow along. Also, I just like staring at prices. They say don't fixate on prices, don't fixate on charts. Uh, you'll go crazy. Just put your money away and and ignore it, and uh, stack your sats and and check back in 2030, right? Um, but I like to manually click buy, so that's what I'm going to do. And if you don't use Cash App and you want to use Cash App, there is a referral code in the show notes. If you use that referral code to sign up and follow the terms and conditions, you'll get $5 free for using Cash App. We'll get 5 bucks as well. Again, they're not a sponsor. Every Cash App user has a referral code. But if you use ours, you'll get paid 5 bucks for using it, and you'll be tipping the show 5 bucks basically. So you'll get $5 free that you can invest in Bitcoin, that you can stack sats with. And you help support the podcast. But, again, do your own research. You do you. Pick a, an app or an exchange that you feel comfortable using. Uh, and the only thing I will say is get your Bitcoin off of that exchange. For example, uh, one of the reasons I like Cash App is they'll let me transfer it to my hardware wallet immediately without any kind of hold. And they won't charge me to do so as long as I'm, as long as I'm comfortable with it maybe taking an hour or two uh, for it to show up. Uh, they will let you do an instant next block guaranteed transfer as well. Uh, but that, that isn't free. That costs you some money. And, and I've never done that. And it's always shown up within an hour or two. Maybe if Bitcoin gets busier, they say it can take up to 24 hours. But I'm even comfortable waiting 24 hours to move my Bitcoin for free. Again, all decisions you have to make on your own. But we're opening up the Cash App, adding 20 bucks 
to Cash App, it's going to let me spend that 20 immediately, and it's going to let me take that $20 off and send it to my hardware wallet immediately too. Again, that's why I like Cash App. They do charge like a two and a quarter percent fee. That is higher than some other um, exchanges out there, but those exchanges, when you transfer to your hardware wallet, usually charge you a mining fee, uh, and that can eat up that that 35 cents we're going to pay, or 40 cents, or whatever it is we're going to pay in fees. Uh, so by not paying a mining fee, we're actually doing better than if we'd used a no free. If we were to use one of the no free exchanges, no fee exchanges, even Strike, which I love, a they really do have a fee because all exchanges, even the no fee ones, charge a spread. I mean, you're going to pay just a tiny bit more for Bitcoin when, than what the fair market value is. So while there isn't a fee, you've you've paid a fee in the in the in the uh, in the in terms of paying more for the Bitcoin than it's currently valued at. All right, so Cash App's open. I got my twenty bucks on Cash App. I'm clicking buy Bitcoin, tapping twenty dollars, clicking confirm, and boom! Just like that, we purchased another one hundred sixteen thousand one hundred and nine sats. Bitcoin uh, looks like it went up a tiny bit while we were talking. I, it was what it was sixteen thousand eight hundred and twenty-eight when I first started talking and we just purchased for 16,837, so about $9 more. That's, that's pretty stable for Bitcoin. That's nowhere near even a tenth of a percent. Uh, but more importantly, we knocked that average cost basis down under 30,000. Our new average purchase price is now $29,798.25. That's down $292.85 just by stacking cheaper again today. And if Bitcoin stays down, we're gonna keep knocking that average cost basis down. If Bitcoin doesn't stay cheaper, it doesn't stay on sale and goes back to the all-time high, then we're not going to care anyway because 29000 is a lot less than 69000 anyway, right? And perhaps most importantly, we have now stacked our 5 millionth sat. Our stack is now sitting at 5,100,971 sats. And ladies and gentlemen, we've done that at just $20 a week. So if you're one of those people thinking that, that you just don't have enough money, that you've missed the boat, uh, I think we've shown that that's wrong. Uh, it's not too late. It's never too late, especially if Bitcoin's ultimately going to go up into the right forever. Forever, Laura, forever, as Michael Saylor famously said. Obviously, Bitcoin's down right now because if you paid attention to the first half of the show, I mentioned it runs in those four-year cycles, and we're currently in the bear market part of that four-year cycle. But as they say, Bitcoin always returns to its all-time high, and usually once it surpasses its previous all-time high, it never dips below its previous all-time high. It did this time, although barely, and this year is a dramatically different year than we've seen with the recession imminent, uh, the Federal Reserve hiking interest rates and stock markets around the world crashing. Uh, you know, the previous all-time high was around 18,000 something, and Bitcoin's now 16.8, so it's, it is below that. But for all intents and purposes, it's in the range of the previous all-time high. If that remains true, regardless of what Bitcoin soars up to in the next bull run, if it crashes down to the previous all-time high, even maybe a little lower, say 65 instead of 69, if the next bottom is 65,000, I don't think you're going to be worried about spending 16.8 on that $69,000, $65,000 Bitcoin. All right, real quick, I want to reach out and ask you to follow us on Twitter. On Twitter, we are at BTC Bulletin Pod, BTC like Bitcoin, not all typed out though, at BTC Bulletin Pod. And if you don't have Twitter, you can uh, always reach out to us and contact us on email. And email, we are at Bitcoin bulletin at protonmail.com. But uh, please, please follow us on Twitter because by doing so, you're going to help expose this podcast to more people. The more people that are following us on Twitter, the more play we're going to get in the Twitter algorithm. 
But more important than that, I want to hear what you have to say. So follow us on Twitter, like and comment on some of our posts, or even just DM us and let me know what you think about the podcast. If you don't have Twitter or if you don't like Twitter, then uh, send us that email, bitcoinbullet and protonmail.com. And real quick, I want to thank all of you who are listening on your favorite uh, podcasting 2.0 app, such as Fountain or Breeze. I don't think we had any boosts this month, um, but I can check real quick by logging into Fountain and checking the show's Fountain wallet. Uh, no, we don't have uh, any. We don't have any boosts to read. Um, but thank you to those who have boosted us in the past, and thank you to those of you who streamed us Sats in the value to value model. You know, you don't have to stream Sats. They will actually pay you in some in some instances to uh, listen to your favorite podcast on on a on Fountain. Uh, I don't know exactly how that works out, but every night when I listen to my favorite podcast on Fountain, it streams me, you know, a sat a minute or five sats a minute, depending on the show. For a show or two, uh, you don't earn a whole lot, maybe a hundred sats some nights, uh, maybe a couple hundred sats other nights. Uh, but then you can boost those sats back to your favorite podcast to help them support, to help you, to help support your favorite podcasts. Uh, and when you do send a boost, you know, because it is a, because a, it's, um, because it is a lightning message. In addition to supporting a show, you can include a custom message. And if it isn't a shill or something that will get me in trouble for reading, something that's profane, a B-casher or something like that, if you do boost us, we will read your boostogram on the next episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast, which is usually going to do Wednesdays. Sometimes we do weekend shows or if there's something um, something cool that happens or something newsworthy, that, that some breaking news that happens, uh, we do additional shows. But... Above and all, above, above and beyond, if nothing else, every Wednesday we do our dollar cost average, our DCA Wednesday series. Uh, so don't forget to grow that stack. Hopefully your New Year's resolution is like our New Year's resolution, is that's, and that is to end 2023 with more sats than you started. And to help you do that, don't forget to join us next Wednesday and every Wednesday for those DCA episodes. But until then, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers. <laughs>